At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we've turned the page to a new year, many are wondering what will come next and how to navigate it when it does. We invite you to tune into our series, What Now? How Tomorrow Shapes Today, as we explore the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25. Together, we'll learn to look toward the future because what we believe about tomorrow defines the way we'll spend today. Let's discover God's answer to the question on everyone's mind. What now? Continuing in this sermon series, Matthew chapter 24 through 25, Jesus is at the end of his life on earth. He's at the end of his time with his disciples, and he is preparing them for the time when he will not be with them anymore. Specifically, he's telling them about the future. So we've titled this series, What Now? How Tomorrow Shapes How We Live Today. And this is true of every worldview. This is true of every religion, whether you're um, atheistic or not. How we think about the future shapes how we live today. And it's certainly no less true for Christianity. And so Jesus is giving a lot of helpful, insightful, challenging truth about the future. And we're looking at that in Matthew chapters 24 and 25. So let's dive into this. Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 51. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, the people were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the people were unaware until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, the master of the house would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when the master comes back. Truly I say to you, he will set that servant over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, and then begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that wicked servant will come on a day when the servant does not expect him at an hour he does not know and will cut the wicked servant in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been caught off guard or unprepared 
Sometimes being caught off guard can be a good thing. Like when you hear the surprise of your surprise birthday party. Other times, however, being caught off guard and unprepared can be a disaster. So in March of 2011, there was a major earthquake off the northern coast of Japan that was the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan's history 10 years ago this coming week. And this earthquake set off a chain reaction of tsunami waves that pounded the coast, killing over 25,000 people and causing a nuclear power plant disaster that set the country on edge. And while the sudden nature of the event could not have been predicted, many studies found that Japanese leaders ignored many safety warnings about building nuclear power plant facilities so close to seismic fault lines. The destruction and loss of life and the devastation of a nuclear accident could have been avoided if only the leadership of Japan had been prepared. One report states that the Japanese had, quote, become complacent about tsunamis and overconfident about the measures supposedly in place to protect them. Although there had been many recent earthquakes, there had not been a deadly large tsunami since 1933, and people forget, end quote. So understand this. On the one hand, building the power plant close to these seismic fault lines essentially guaranteed that an earthquake would occur. But on the other hand, they didn't know when. And their lack of readiness cost people their lives. Well, as we look at Jesus' words this morning, we're going to see a close parallel between the Japanese earthquake and his second coming. On the one hand, Jesus assures his disciples, he assures them that his return will occur. Just like an earthquake was bound to occur, so close to the seismic fault line. On the other hand, Jesus assures his disciples that they don't know when he will return. And there is a danger that we can slip into the same kind of complacency and false sense of security. But let's look more closely at this text. Let's look again at verse 36. Jesus says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only knows. So again, Jesus says, I do know when the day of judgment against Israel and the temple will happen. This will occur within your lifetime, as indeed it did in 70 AD, just a few, uh, just a few decades later. But no one knows when the second coming will be. Not you, not the angels. Jesus says, not even himself, not even the Son of God knows when his return will be. So if you hear someone say, I know when Christ will return. Or if you hear someone say, I think I know Christ will return in our lifetime. Well, you can assure that person, well, that's news to Jesus. Because here it is in black and white that he did not know when his return would be. And it's always a good idea to not claim to know more than Jesus did. Just a good rule of thumb. Now, something must be said here because this verse is often used by groups like 
Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons in order to deny that Jesus is fully God. So these groups will say that if Jesus admits to being ignorant about something, in this case, he admits to being ignorant about the timing of his second coming. If Jesus admits to being ignorant about something, then he can't be fully God because God is all-knowing. That's their logic. So how can we respond to this? Well, there's much that we could say in response, but it's important to note that during Jesus' incarnation, that is, during Jesus' life on earth from the time he was conceived until his death, during that time, Jesus took upon himself many limitations. We see in the Gospels that Jesus became hungry and thirsty. Jesus grew physically tired and emotionally weary. And Jesus learned knowledge. So you think back to Luke chapter 3, one of the few scenes from Jesus' childhood. Jesus was 12 years old, and his parents find him in the temple listening to the teachers and asking them questions, learning from them. And the need to learn implies a level of ignorance, right? So my point is that to point out Jesus' limitations of physical strength or emotional durability or intellectual knowledge and then conclude that he's not fully God, well, that's a failure to understand the mystery and the glory of the incarnation of Christ. Through the incarnation, the eternal God took on flesh, became a man, embraced the limitations of humanity in order that he could ultimately redeem humanity. So contrary to our JW and Mormon friends, Jesus' ignorance about his second coming does not mean that we have to deny that Jesus is fully God. The scriptures are full of evidence that Jesus is fully God. And at least during his life on earth, he did not know when his second coming would be. He did not know when his second coming would be. Indeed, no one knows when his second coming will be. No one knows when Christ will return. So the question is, will you be ready? There's no question that we don't know when he'll come again, but there is a question as to whether or not we'll be ready when he comes again. Are you ready? Well, as Jesus continues in these verses, he's going to give us two directions related to how we live with a proper perspective and urgency for being ready for the return of Christ. First, he says, be prepared. Be prepared. Look again at verse 37. Jesus says, no one knows the day or hour of his coming. Verse 37, for... As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, people were eating and drinking, people were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark and the people were unaware. The people did not know until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus compares 
his second coming with the flood during Noah's day. And he says that during the days leading up to the flood, people were just living life. Eating, drinking, marrying, working, just, during, just doing their thing. Until the day the flood came and swept them away and it was too late. Jesus says, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 40, Jesus continues. He says, two men will be in a field. One will be swept away and another spared. Two women will be working the mill grind. One will be swept away and the other spared, just doing the normal stuff of daily life. And then, boom, it's upon them. Verse 42, Jesus concludes from all of this. Therefore, stay awake. Be prepared, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Then in verse 43, Jesus gives an illustration of what he's getting at. Verse 43, Jesus says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, then the master of the house would have stayed awake, and he would not have let his house be broken into. So here Jesus gives an example that all of us can relate to, because every night we go home, lay down, close our eyes, and put ourselves in this unconscious condition called sleep. And unconscious as we are, we are also defenseless, vulnerable. And so that's when thieves carry out their business. Well, Jesus likens his second coming to that of a thief in the night. He is going to strike when you least expect it and when you are tempted to slumber. So Jesus says in verse 44, Therefore, you also must be ready. Be prepared for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So we often hear people say, oh, I think Jesus is coming soon. But Jesus says, I am coming at an hour you do not expect. So if we expect him to come soon, then he's probably not coming soon because he's coming when we don't expect him. The point is that it doesn't matter when he comes back. What matters is that you're ready for when he comes back. Growing up in a small town in South Alabama, my family never locked up our house. <laughs> it was always, day and night, wide open. And when I would go to the store in my car when I was still living there in my teens, when I would go to the store in my car, not only would I leave my car unlocked, I would turn off my car before I went into the store. I would turn off my car and then leave the keys in the ignition. Like that's how complacent we were. And when I met this girl from the Detroit area and she saw me doing this kind of stuff, she's like, what are you doing? But I just had this sense of security. We just didn't really care to prepare and we lived our lives as if there was no danger. But church, when it comes to the state of our souls, 
And when it comes to the state of our world, we cannot be so foolish. The Lord God will not delay justice forever. There is evil in our world, and if we're honest with ourselves, there is evil in our lives that will not go unpunished. Divine justice will be served, and we don't know when. So like Noah and his family who took refuge in the ark, let's take refuge under the cross of Christ. On the cross, Jesus endured the full weight of God's justice against our sin so that we wouldn't have to. On the cross, God's just sentence of condemnation against us fell on him. We can be forgiven because he was forsaken on the cross. And so I urge you, trust in Jesus and trust in what Jesus did on the cross, paying the penalty for your sin, so that if you trust in Jesus, then when Jesus returns and the floodwaters of God's wrath once more are unleashed against the world, you will be saved. When Jesus returns as a thief in the night, you will be supermax security system protected under the cross. There will be no more judgment against your sin because God's judgment for your sin was satisfied on the cross. Be prepared. Not by charting out historical events, not by doing the calculations. Be prepared for the return of Christ by trusting in Christ, receiving his forgiveness, grace, and love. Two directions related to how we live with a proper perspective and urgency for being ready for his return be prepared by trusting in the cross and be faithful. Be faithful. Look once more at verses 45 through 47. So Jesus has compared his second coming to that of a thief breaking into a house. And now he's going to compare his second coming to that of an employer returning to check on his employees. Let's listen to this. Jesus says, who then is the faithful and wise servant or employee. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give the rest of the people in the household their food at the proper time? So he references a household servant whose job it is to give food to the rest of the people in the house. He says, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing. When he returns, in other words, doing his job, blessed is that servant whom the master will find doing his job. When the master returns, truly I say to you, that servant who was just set over the food, he'll be set over all the master's possessions. So again, Jesus likens his return to the return of an employer who returns to his business, or in this case, his house, 
But the employer returns and finds his servant doing what he's supposed to do, doing his job, distributing the food. And Jesus says, blessed is that servant. He is faithful and wise. And that servant is going to be rewarded by being set over not only the food, but but over all his possessions. Likewise, Jesus says that this is another aspect of how we should be ready for his second coming. Like faithful employees, we should be doing what we are supposed to do when our Lord returns. In other words, we should be faithful servants doing what he's called us to do. So many of you guys own businesses, or at least you have employees that report to you. And when you unexpectedly show up to the office, or you unexpectedly pull up to the work site, and you find everyone doing what they're supposed to be doing, you think, man, blessed are these workers of mine. They are faithful and wise employees. They do their work even when I'm not around. And it makes you want to reward them or maybe give them more responsibility, a promotion. But there are other kinds of employees, aren't there? Yes. Jesus draws attention to them as well. Verse 48 and forward. I'm glad we're zoned in this morning. It's awesome. He tells us about this other kinds of employees. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed, and the wicked servant begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, then the master of that servant will come on a day when the wicked servant does not expect him, and an hour he does not know will cut him in pieces, put him with the hypocrites, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, it's one thing for an employee to dress the part. It's one thing for an employee to act professional and work hard when the boss is around. But you truly see what an employee's work ethic is like when the boss isn't looking. The wicked servant says, my master's delayed and he thinks he can take advantage of this. So he treats his fellow servants hatefully. He indulges in food and drink. In other words, he is not faithful. And eventually he's found out. And the consequences are shockingly severe. He's cut in pieces and placed with the hypocrites where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The faithful servant is blessed, rewarded, affirmed as good and wise. But the careless servant, the irresponsible servant, the unreliable servant is judged. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to serve the Lord. We are called, we are named servants of the Lord. He has called us to live our lives for him. Our everything is for him. Our work, our families, our relationships, our money, our possessions, our homes, our social media, our everything is for him. We are called to carry out 
all of the business of life under his lordship and for his glory. And he will return. And we don't know when. Will he find you faithful? Will he see you and your life and think, yes, my faithful and wise servant? Or will he see you and your life and see you're abusing the time that he gave you? Will he see in you the same spirit as the wicked servant here? Eh, my Lord tarries. My master's delayed. No need to busy myself with what he's called me to do. I'll indulge. I'll do what I want. I'll spend my money how I want. I'll engage in relationships that I want. I'll treat people how I want. I'll take part in activities that I want. But church, we are servants of the Lord, not servants of ourselves. And Jesus is our example in this. Jesus didn't serve himself. Jesus died to himself. He denied himself, took up a cross, in order to fulfill God's purpose for his life, in order to serve us. Is your life marked by faithful service to our returning Lord? March 10th, 2011, 10 years ago this week in Japan, it was a normal Thursday on a normal week, the sun rose, people woke up, went to work, came home, went to bed, and they had no idea. It was the last day before everything would change. And the following Friday, the ground beneath their feet shook for six solid minutes. Crashing buildings, towering tsunamis, tens of thousands dead, a nuclear disaster, countless amounts of property damage. It was bound to happen, but they didn't know when, and they weren't ready. Brothers and sisters, let's learn from their example, and let's learn from the words of our Lord. He is going to return with the armies of heaven to bring justice on earth. He is going to return and we don't know when. No one knows when. So are you ready? Be prepared. Trust in the atoning work of Christ on the cross. So that you don't have to fear God's justice against sin because justice for your sin has already been satisfied on the cross. Like the people of Noah's day, get in the ark of God's grace before it shuts. Cling to the cross of Jesus while he is still Savior, before he is judge. He is going to return with the armies of heaven on a white horse with a sword, not to show off, but to use. Trust in him as Savior before he returns as 
judge. Be prepared. And be faithful. May it not be that we grow complacent. May it not be that we sleep on the job. May it not be that we abuse or waste this time God has given us to serve him, to work for him, to advance the gospel. God has given us so much. There's no reason to feel bad about it. But we are so privileged when it comes to where we live, when it comes to when we live, when it comes to the opportunities God has given us, we are so blessed. May it not be that we grow complacent. May it not be that we abuse the gifts, the talents, the resources that God has given to us to work for him. But may it be that when the Lord returns, he finds the people of Woodside Lapeer busy in the work of the gospel. May he find us faithful, serving him in all of life. May it be that when he sees us, when our master returns and see us, may we get to hear the words, blessed are you, my good and wise servant. I'm proud of you. I reward you. You are faithful. Oh God, may we hear those words when he returns. May it not be that we hear, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Though you did all this stuff in my name, I never knew you. May we get to hear those words of affirmation. May we get to hear those words of welcome when our Lord returns. Be prepared. Trust in Jesus. There is room at the foot of the cross for everyone. No matter how grave your sin, no matter how long your sin has been grave, there is room at the foot of the cross. There is a seat at the table for you. God loves to eat and drink and celebrate with his people, just as we did earlier in the service, just as Jim indicated. As far back as the Old Testament scriptures, our God loves to party. And there is going to be an amazing marriage banquet at the end of the age when Jesus takes his bride. It's going to be a huge party. And there's a seat at the table for you, for you. No matter how much you've rejected him, no matter how much you've turned him down, sent back his invitation, there is a place at the table for you. Come and eat. Come and feast. Come and enjoy knowing you are forgiven. Your life can be changed by the power of his grace. You can be faithful. You can be faithful to God. Be prepared. Be faithful. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, our hearts are open now to have heard this truth 
this truth from the scriptures, this truth spoken from the mouth of our Lord to his disciples. His disciples heading into rough waters, his disciples heading into many dark nights of the soul. And Father, so it is for us as we look into the future, we don't know what it holds. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for this word of solid hope that Jesus will return, that the Son of Man will come again and deliver justice on earth. He'll right every wrong. He'll wipe away every tear and he'll make it on earth as it is in heaven. God, may we be people of hope even as we look into a troubling future. Produce in us this fruit of the Spirit, hope. And Father, I pray that when that day does come, we would be found faithful. God, by your Spirit, move in the brothers and sisters of Woodside Lapeer, and may we also bear the fruit of faithfulness, working diligently for our Lord ministering the gospel, caring for the poor, giving to the needy, sharing the truth, serving one another. By your Holy Spirit, God, make us faithful. And Lord, for all of us, help our unbelief. Help us to believe in Christ Help us to cling to the cross. Help us to be prepared so that we no longer have to live in fear of judgment, but we can live under grace. We can live with the hope of forgiveness now and forgiveness in the future. It's all because of Christ. It's all because we're found in him. And so we sing his praises and we declare our faith in him now as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.